What happened with the Hawks this season? Part one. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't, I don't know. I'm very motivated right now, so I don't know what I'm going to do next. <laughs> What's up, everybody? And welcome to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm your host, Sarah Spencer, Hawks beat reporter for the AJC. And after taking a few days, a little breather after the end of the playoffs, for the Hawks at least, we are going to kind of break down the season as a whole, but mostly through the lens of exit interviews in this episode. It's actually going to be a a two-part episode, which will release separately. So this is part one, obviously. And to be totally transparent, I actually was not at exit interviews, which you might think, like, that's odd that I was not there. But after game five, I was, you know, in Miami and exit interviews started at like 9 a.m. the next morning. And my flight was not until like 1130. So alas, I could not be in two places at once. But um, our amazing intern, John, was there and did some excellent work. So we were able to get a lot of sound from that. And that is what we are going to break down today. And as we go through that sound, I'll sort of give my thoughts on the season as a whole, the playoffs. And if I miss something, uh, you just got to stay tuned for part two, because there's too much to do it all in one episode. The Hawks Report is brought to you by Emory Healthcare, the official team healthcare provider of the Atlanta Hawks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, a quick reminder that if you're listening to us for the first time, or if you've been listening all season long, or I guess since January when we started this, and you still haven't subscribed or followed or whatever, whatever the term is, depending on the platform, um, please follow us on Apple or Spotify so you never miss an episode. Okay. So let's dive in to exit interviews and the season as a whole. I'm actually going to let Nate McMillan sum that up, sum sum up the season as a whole first. I've never gone through a season where I lost the entire team, including coaches, uh, where we miss three, four, five games uh, due to COVID, uh, as well as other injuries, you know, so... Uh, you know, not to make excuses, but it's real. And uh, we were able to overcome that and get ourselves into the playoffs. I think with with uh, how far we went last year, the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, expectations went high, and uh, rightfully so. Uh, but the, the, the next uh, thing after that is winning a championship you know, uh, this season. And uh, that's always a difficult challenge. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, we we have to put this year uh, behind us, learn from it, 
uh, learn from this series that we just came out of, playing against Miami, and know that we have to get better. We have to improve. And that's something that, uh, you know, as I told the coaches last night, and I do every, every uh, season, you know, on the plane last night, I want to write down with my emotions, what do we need, where do we need to improve? What things do we need to be better at to get past this point next season? And, uh, you know, those will be the first things that we, uh, we work on uh, starting this offseason. So I definitely think, I mean, listen, that's like a heartfelt, you know, genuine response from Nate. And like, I appreciate that. And I'm sure the guys and I'm sure, you know, fans will as well. And I think a lot of what he's saying as far as how the team struggled, there was a period of time, especially from like mid-December to mid-January. We've talked about this a lot. I've kind of called it like the last month when the Hawks had so many guys out due to COVID. That is the one period of the season where you can definitively say a lot of what went wrong was not really in the Hawks control at all. Like, how do you control that? You can't, you know, the Hawks did not get any games canceled on their own account, despite basically having a, you know, a G League roster there for a while. And I think that's fair, but I also think that's not the whole season, you know? And I also think that um, a lot of other teams had really bad COVID situations too. Um, not saying they're all equal as far as, you know, the consequences of that. But I, I do think a lot of other teams dealt with that, too. So it's kind of what Nate's saying, like, it's not an excuse, but it is maybe a reason. And then in addition, you know, they did have some guys banged up to start the season. One of those was Clint Capella. We'll, we'll get into that more later. But I also got to point out, and Travis Schlenk is going to talk about, GM Travis Schlenk is going to talk about this in a second, I also got to point out that a lot of what went wrong for the Hawks this season is in their control and you got to be accountable for that. I mean, that's just, that's just the, you know, the kind of the cold, hard truth of it. Some things go wrong in a season and it's no one's fault. If a guy gets injured, it's no one's fault if they get COVID. Um, and you know, if the roster as a whole comes down with COVID and some stuff that, that went wrong there. Um, but it's also, there were some things going wrong for the Hawks from the beginning of the season that were in their control. And one of those is, and the guys gave some different perspectives on this. Some of these guys definitely talked about effort and kind of taking things for granted being an issue. Some of them pushed back on that and people can have a different opinion. But here is Travis Schlenk's opinion on how the first half of the season and the way the Hawks started, not even started, the way, you know, genuinely the first half, if not the first two thirds of the season put this team in a hole. It just felt like, you know, after the success we had last year, um, coming into the start of the season, there was, you know, a sense that, all right, we're, we're a good team. And I think it took a while for us to understand that even though you're a good team, you have to show up and you have to give that um, consistent effort every single game. Um, and I think that's what we saw uh, at the first half of the season. Second half of the season, you know, I think they they told me the what twenty six and fourteen or something. We finished the last forty games, you know, and you know that we feel we are closer to that kind of team than we were the first half of the season. But it just it felt like we we just didn't show up and give that effort every single night the first half of the season, and, that, and that's different, disappointing. But 
the bright side is we learn from it and, you know, hopefully we won't have to deal with that again moving forward. <laughs> so there were some guys who pushed back on that. Like I mentioned before, Trey Young was one of them. DeAndre Hunter was one of them who said they didn't necessarily think it was, you know, expecting to win was an issue. I don't know. But when your GM says it and when he sees it, that is certainly very noteworthy. He's very closely around the team. And to give that honest assessment, I mean, I appreciate that from Travis and and his candor there. Um, there were some quotes that sort of ended up going viral in the NBA world from very early on in the season, like with Trey saying that the regular season was boring. He did follow that up saying, you know, we need to play every game. He said, you know, I'm not going to lie, it's a lot more boring than the playoffs, you know, which we all know that like, we all know that like game seven of the NBA finals is probably a little bit more thrilling than like a 1 p.m. game on a Sunday, you know, in like October. We all know that to, to probably be true, but it's still not something you really want to, you know, say out loud. And then maybe you kind of have that. Sometimes it's you kind of speak that into existence. So there is that one quote from Trey er, very early on in the regular season that made the rounds. And then he also had mentioned, you know, we're the the hunted, not the hunters that ended up making the rounds as well. It's just something I wanted to bring up. And he did mention again, like you kind of see what he's saying, like teams have more film on you. Teams are not going to rest when they come to Atlanta anymore. Maybe, you know, stars aren't going to rest, but you're still the hunters. Like you're, you're still the hunters. So I think some of those quotes, I think, as far as what Travis is saying, I think some of that, you know, jives with what you probably saw and not to mention just, you know, the the product on the floor early in the season. The shot selection, if you all remember, was really odd to start the season, which some of that might have been just too deep a rotation, you know, before the Hawks traded Cam Reddish in January um, to the Knicks. And Cam was definitely one of the guys contributing to this as far as some of that shot selection, like rush kind of mid-range jumpers, that kind of thing not moving the ball the way you would want them to. Um, the Hawks started out four and nine. They dropped to 17, 17 and 25, January 15th. And that was again, after kind of the COVID COVID crazy month. So I can see both sides of this. Like I understand that also that's not something that, um, you know, as a player that might not be, be something you want to say, but I think if the GM says it, I do think that carries some weight for sure. Here's Clint Capella talking about how the Hawks just never really got on track. I felt that it was just a struggle from the beginning. Uh, it was it was just when it's hard to to find a rhythm, uh, to have guys healthy sometimes. It's just, it's hard. And even though we, we still fought through until the end, even though a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people thought they would make the playoff, we, we still, we still fought, uh, fought until the end to, to, to make it. So Clint was one of those guys that I mentioned who was banged up to start the season. He had some Achilles pain to start the season, and it just seems like it never really went away. I think it ebbed and flowed, and he didn't look like himself to start the season. Obviously, that hurt the Hawks quite a bit because of how much he did for them last year and how much also they need him to do defensively and rebounding-wise, given how the rest of the roster is built. We will get to that more as we, you know, progress through these kind of breakdown exit interview two episode two part episodes because the Hawks did need so much from Clint and he couldn't necessarily give it to them right from the beginning 
And then, of course, in Cleveland, you know, they need so much defense from him. They just need they need so much from Clint Capella. And they got it on last year's run. And that's a big reason why they were able to go on last year's run. He couldn't really he, he wasn't at that same level from the beginning of this season. And then by the time he started getting back to it the last month or two, it was just such rough timing. He gets hurt again in Cleveland, Cleveland in that play in game when he hyperextended his right knee. And then he could barely, he did come back and try to play. Um, you know, he had that, uh, what do you call it? His, his knee was wrapped. He had one of those like tight bandages um, around his knee. But then he could, he could barely play in game five against the Heat. And we'll talk more about Miami in just one second. So he, I think he ended up playing 19 minutes in game five. So the Hawks did have to play. And this is another thing that, you know, injuries did certainly come into. There's some things that we can, we can talk a lot about. The Hawks, you know, shot selection maybe effort, maybe energy, maybe having some letdown the first two thirds of the season. You know, Bogey was a guy who outright said, I think we thought because we are winning because we won last year, we're going to keep winning. He said that during some early struggles, John Collins said, we've got to care at one point, uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, so, if, I, you know, if, if guys are saying that, I mean, I, I do think this was an issue as far as like a little bit of a complacency after after the amazing run last year, but also injuries like with Clint that really came back to bite the Hawks in game five, especially considering how physical the heat are. And then you didn't have sort of your quote unquote enforcer Clint Capella to the degree either at all in the first three games or to the degree you're used to having him. And John Collins was another guy who was hurt for that series. We'll talk more about that. I feel like I'm trying to Try to put like every single detail from every single game in every single sentence. So we might as well just call this like Sarah rambles about the Hawks parts one and two. Um, But let's get into specifically what went wrong against the heat. And this, uh, so again, exit interviews happened like right after game five. So at the time these guys were talking, you had, you know, 12 hours ish, (laughs) 16 hours to like think about it. But this loss to the Heat gives the Hawks some things, a lot of things to think about this offseason, and I don't think that's the worst thing. I, I don't think that's the worst thing to have encountered some adversity and inver- adversity and kind of get hit in the mouth a little bit and learn from it. And here's Kevin Herter on that. Yeah, obviously they're defensively really swarming, um, physical at the point of the ball. I think we had trouble breaking down their initial defense really all series, and we found success when we were able to get in the paint and kick out and you know make a move around and uh, scramble a little bit, and you know, we just weren't able to do that consistently enough. Um, defensively, most part, I thought we were pretty good. You know, they were they were low scoring games, um, kind of grinded out games. I think it was a it was a tough playoff series, what playoff basketball is usually about. Um, but that's a good team. You know, you. It was impressive, their focus level, their connectivity, especially on the defensive end. You know, it really just every single possession, you know, we, we, were, we were having trouble to score. And it was, you know, we hadn't had had something like that all year and um, can make any excuse we want, guys in and out or guys not 100%. But you know, they really did a good job of throwing us off. One of the things was really just our counters, you know, playing against pressure. Uh, I, I thought that... Uh, Miami did a really good job of establishing that defensive pressure and uh, playing every possession, being able to play every possession of a game. 
to win it, to win those possessions. And uh, it didn't change when they rotated. It didn't change from game to game. And uh, I thought that <laughs> that was that was pretty good. We'll talk more about what the Hawks need and can learn from that first round loss to the Heat, which Nate McMillan is talking about right there in just one second. This is the Hawks report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades, an AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I want to thank everyone who subscribes to the AJC and AJC.com. I cannot believe that this season is over. Um, it really honestly has just been hitting me on these these few days that I had off right after um, the end of the end of the Hawks season, at least the end of the first round. And I really when I think about, you know, all the things I was able to do this season, all the places I was able to travel to and really have those boots on the ground. You know, I mean, the obviously the reality is that costs a lot of money. That's expensive. There's a lot um you know, I also have to eat, you know, when I'm on the road and stuff like that. Um, so all of that, it, it really is not possible. Like it, it quite literally um, is not possible without subscriptions and without that support. So if you aren't a subscriber, you can go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. And your first month of unlimited digital access is just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. So you always know what's really going on even in the off season as this as evidenced by this podcast we're keeping it going um so like i mentioned before the break i think miami showed a lot of what atlanta needs i think you got an up close look at what the hawks need to take the next step as a franchise in that first round even when it comes to just retooling the roster you know the hawks got absurdly hot I guess I shouldn't say last season, season before last, but that sounds funny. Um, but I guess last season now is is the one that just ended. Um, so season before last or whatever, um, when the Hawks went to the Eastern Conference Finals, they had a ton of success. They got super hot and they basically ran it back with a near identical roster. And then I think what you saw this past season is that, um, you know, I understand that decision because it, it looked, you know, smart at the time and hindsight's twenty twenty. But I think the Hawks are missing some things. There was a lot of talk of, you know, Trey Young being able to play, not even being able to play, the Hawks being able to play Trey Young off the ball more if teams are going to defend him the way Miami did. And I don't even know if I should get into that too much because y'all watched it. If you're listening to this podcast, if you made it 18 minutes into this podcast, I'm guessing, or whatever it is, I'm guessing you 
You watched that for all five games. You've heard me talk about that a lot, the way they were defending Trey. So I think that that's something that we're going to get into. And then I also think that as far as, you know, the roster goes, I think this whole season kind of showed you what the Hawks might need. You know, um, DeAndre Hunter, they needed a lot from him defensively. He kind of had an up and down year defensively. Also, you know, had to have wrist surgery again. Clint Capella got hurt. I think they figured out DeLon Wright is a great piece for them defensively. He had, as he got a bigger role, the Hawks started to have more success. I don't think that's the only factor, but I do think it is a factor. I think DeLon actually had a pretty good series against Miami. Obviously not perfect because the Hawks lost, but um, he can't, you know, he, I do think you saw a lot of good, good moments from him in that series. Um, so, you know, defending the point of attack, having more, having more ball handling, being able to, you know, get that movement that you want, being able to play Trey off the ball, stuff like that. Um, I think that is something that I don't think it's, I think it's probably productive anyway. Um, I know it sucks to lose. It sucks to, it sucks to lose the way the Hawks did as well. Not being able to get anything going despite having so much going offensively in the regular season. I'm not trying to sugarcoat that and say, hey, but it's all great because you learned in the end. You know, I know I know it's a bummer to lose, but I think I, I mean, you can't help but to to look at it moving forward that I do think it can be pretty productive for the Hawks as far as looking at how they fell short in Miami and fixing stuff from there. Um, so what have the Hawks learned as they kind of retool? And here's John Collins on that. Uh, I feel like step number one is avoid the plan. Uh, you know what I mean? Those two games that we won, those are, you know, in a caliber in a sense, game sevens. You know what I mean? Two game sevens, two must-win games. Uh, and we traveled to Miami, played the number one seeded Heat. You know, it's not an easy, you know, no excuses. But if there's any way to play a number one seed, it's not through a play-in, right? So I feel like that would be step number one is to do our, you know, do what's necessary in the, in the regular season and try to prepare for the postseason. Um, and then I guess if anything, number two, just to stay together. You know, how important togetherness is for us, uh, regardless if we have the same team, regardless of this. Same circumstances, you know, there must be a certain level of camaraderie, togetherness for us to succeed. Yeah, I think a true offseason is a good start. You know, I think, um, you know, we had so many guys banged up going into this year. You know, we had a shortened offseason, 10 weeks uh, from the end of last season. I still know it going into a thing like, oh, my God, we only have 10 weeks till training camp. And um, we just we didn't start the way we needed to. And. Again, a lot of that had to do with injuries and banged up, but our focus level wasn't there. Um, and we dug ourselves a hole really at the start of the year. And, and I said this a couple months ago, I felt like all year was an uphill battle that you know, we dug ourselves a hole early, had to claw ourselves out. All of a sudden we get hit by COVID and you know, we go 5-15, and 15, whatever we did in December, and um, just wasn't good. And you know, it really felt like we were trying to dig ourselves out all year. And, make the play-in game that we feel like we had to grind to do that and and then we have to win two games in the play-in game and you know our early game it just really felt like all year it was uh you're we're just one step behind we're a little just one step slow and um so i think just an off season we get healthy hopefully nobody has some major surgeries um i know right now i don't have any plan hopefully that stays the same um but i just think yeah everybody being able to get time off, true time off, get your body right, and we can refocus. And you know, for something like this, and Travis said it after the game, you know, good teams have to go through adversity uh, to ultimately get where you want to get to. And 
I think we'll remember this year and what what the Heat were able to do to us in this series, and obviously how we felt you know, sitting here today. And um, hopefully, let's just fuel the fire. Okay, so I think both of those points, the first was from John Collins, the second was from Wayne Kevin Herter. I think both of those points are very, very accurate. The Hawks were in a tough position going into Miami. You know, we'll never know if like more preparation or more time off would have actually helped. I mean, the, the Heat did have a full week off because they had earned it. You know, you, you earn the one seed, you get a full week off of rest and preparation and practice before facing the Hawks, um, the Hawks had the opposite situation. Your season, your regular season ends in Houston, April 10th. You host Charlotte in a do or die play in game, April 13th. You go to Cleveland, play the Cavs in a do or die play in game, April 15th. And then before you know it, you are playing Miami, April 17th in Miami. So that's like four pretty compact games right there. Um, and again, I, you don't know, I mean, if the Hawks had had, you know, a, a week off. I mean, Miami was obviously a very, very bad matchup for the Hawks. So you don't know if that would have made that much of a difference. But at the very least, you probably would have been healthier and more rested. And that actually can help you quite a bit. I think that's a, a very good point there from John is that really you put yourself at a massive, massive disadvantage playing in the play-in tournament. It's just the it's just the harsh reality of especially having to play two games, being lower in the play in tournament. The Hawks finish ninth. It's just the harsh reality of having to win, you know, two do or die must win games and then go play the, you know, a juggernaut in Miami. That's that's a really, really tough situation. The Hawks did have going back to let or sorry, season before last, going back to that, as Kevin Herter mentioned. They didn't really have much of a it was a very quick turnaround from when the Hawks finally lost to the Bucks in game six to, wow, it's time for training camp. And you had guys nursing a couple injuries and starting the season still not healthy. Kevin Herter was one of them. Boogie was another. Clint Capella was another. Um, so I think that's a valid point. I mean, when you make deep playoff runs, that is something that is going to happen from time to time. But. Also, if you remember back to season before last, which I'm getting used to saying, um, that was a 72-game season. And then the next season, you go back to a full 82, and then you're starting in October again. So they, they flipped the calendar, so that did make it even harder on them. Again, that's something that's out of your control. I think both of those are good points. And moving forward, I think, again, one thing to think about, whether it's schedule, injuries, covid all of that, of course, comes into effect or all of that, of course, had an effect rather. But moving forward, I think the thing that that now, you know, is within your control is what do we do to reshape the roster? And here's Travis Schlank, Jim Travis Schlank talking about that. Yeah, no, I mean, well, listen, we're, we're always going to look to try to make the roster better. Um, you know, last summer, um, a lot of our guys, you know, were under contract, you know, had multi-year deals. Um, you know, this summer we have some more free agents on the on the roster. Um, so, you know, there probably will be more turnover just because that's the way the NBA works, right? <laughs> Change is the only constant in the league. So, um, but yeah, I, I do think from last year um, to this upcoming year that there'll be more change than there was the previous season. So obviously, man, I really wish I had been there in, you know, to, to talk with Travis Moore and push him on that. Um, not that he would have said, here, Sarah, here's what we're going to do. Not, not that he would have like, you know, given specifics or names, 
But I do wish I had been able to, you know, push for a little bit more details there. Um, maybe, maybe we'll get Travis on the podcast one day this offseason. I don't know. I don't know if he'll want to do that. But maybe, maybe we, maybe that's possible. Who knows? Travis, if you're listening to this, do you want to come on the podcast? But I mean, I do think one thing, obviously, DeLon Wright is a free agent. I think DeLon made a big difference for the Hawks this season. I think he is the kind of player the Hawks need. Again, you know, ball handling, being stronger on the ball, which allows you to play Trey off the ball a little bit more, defending the point of attack. I mean, overall, I mean, if y'all remember in game five, sorry to bring this up, (laughs) not a super fun thing to talk about, but when the Heat started pressing toward the end of the second quarter, that was when everything just went sideways for the Hawks. They just really couldn't, you know, a team that had averaged the fewest turnovers in the regular season, um, started turning the ball over like crazy. So all of those things, I think, are things to consider. No specifics yet, but I think that's something that, you know, we'll talk about more and we'll keep an eye out for this offseason. So we'll definitely talk more about, you know, potential roster changes. What should they do this offseason? We'll get into specifics and we're going to lead with, Trey Young. I guess this episode ended up being a little bit more big picture and overall what happened in the season, what guys think about, you know, the regular season, uh, the play-in tournament, the series against Miami, all that stuff, a little bit bigger picture. Next episode, part two, we will get into some specifics with players. Um, So definitely stay tuned for part two. Uh, But yeah, that wraps up part one. So please don't forget to rate, review, follow, share, and subscribe. Part two will come out next week. And thank you guys for listening to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.